Good morning, everybody. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6. We talk about powerful prayers. Now I want you to think about your dreams. Maybe go back when you were a little kid. You know, what did you dream about? When I grow up, here's what I'm going to be. Here's what I'm going to do. You know, we always have dreams. Maybe your dream is for the Giants to win the Super Bowl. Maybe your dreams is for the Patriots to win the Super Bowl. Or like me, maybe your dream is for the Dallas Cowboys to win next year's Super Bowl. Since my dreams died this year, a slow and painful death. You know, maybe you dream about going to Bakersfield. You go, I don't know about that one. You know what, if you're the Ford family, you do, because Owen, their son, is representing Santa Clarita in the AYSO area tournament. So, yeah, so in AYSO, you dream about going to Bakersfield. It may be one of the only times you think about that, and if you're from Bakersfield, sorry. Um, Maybe you dream about having a boyfriend. Or a girlfriend. You know, powerful prayer. You know, last night, Dave Mancini, God answered his prayer. Started dating Maria Anuelo, an intern in the USC ministry, you know, for the Trojan families out there. But she's from Georgia, and she even knew where Aaron's podunk town home was. So she knew that. Yes. You know, God... God is a God that answers our dreams. You know, what, what are your dreams? What, what's the most powerful things that you pray about? You in Matthew 6 yet? Because I told you ahead of time to go there, so you should be there. You know, you've got to be a good example to younger people and, and respond quickly. Okay, Matthew 6. Matthew 6, starting in verse 25. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus wants each one of us to have powerful prayers. And point number one, he wants us to rise above the little things. You know, what he just listed out here, it's the little things. 
It goes beyond even the pagans are dealing with the little things. He said, no, 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 I expect more of you. I want you to imagine for a moment in your home if you were like, Dad, I've got a really important question for you. And, you know, tonight before bedtime, I'm going to ask it. I'm like, what is it? No, 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 no. I'm waiting for my special time when I communicate with you, my quiet time. And then I'm going to ask. You know, so all day long, the father's excited. Man, I wonder what this is going to be. This is going to be amazing. It's going to be so bonding. And sits down for the big talk. And his child goes, Dad, here it is. Are you ready? Will you give me breakfast tomorrow? Like, that's it? I was excited all day long. You were going to ask me something really cool. This is going to be awesome. We were going to be bonded. It was going to be great. Will you give me breakfast? Of course I'm going to give you breakfast. I'm your dad. Now, how about, Dad, tomorrow I've got another question for you. All day long, the father's thinking, okay, this time, this one is going to be big. Okay, what, what is it? Um, will you make sure I have clothes? Now, this is not talking about expansive wardrobe here. This is like, do I have something to put on at all so I don't leave the house naked? That's, that's what worrying about what you're going to wear is. This isn't like looking at a, a you know, closet full of clothes going, I have nothing to wear. That's not that prayer. You see what Jesus is trying to make a point with? You know, what do you pray about? Maybe a better way to read this is substitute pray for worry. Because that usually is what occupies our, our focus time. Yeah, we're supposed to pray all day long, every day. Not just that one isolated moment that we call our quiet time. But that's like our special time. You say, what is your prayers full of? Is it things that God goes, that's it? Man, I was so looking forward to this time. I thought it was going to be amazing. And, and that's it? I, I just thought it was going to be great. And then basically he asked me for breakfast. Or a job. Or the ability to pay bills. That's it? What do you think God is capable of like what do you pray about that would be absolutely impossible for you to accomplish through hard work is there anything do you pray about anything that you know requires a miracle you go it doesn't matter how smart i am it doesn't matter how hard i work there's no way this could happen Unless God works a miracle. You know, sometimes our prayers are just full of things that if we work a little harder, we could accomplish. But is God really glorified through that? You know, God wants us to rise above the little things. You know, maybe you've seen the illustration. They do it with time management. 
where they're talking about the priorities that we have in life. And they have like a big glass container and they have sand and then they have small pebbles and then they have big rocks. And they said, your life has only so much time. And if you're going to fit it all in this container, you've got to put the big rocks in first. And then they settle down. And then you put the smaller pebbles in and you shake it. And they all fill in around. And then you can pour the sand and you shake it and everything fits in there nice and compact. But they said if you try and do it in reverse and you put all the sand in first, it's half full of sand. And then you put in the pebbles. And now it's three-fourths full. And now you put in the rocks and they're sticking out the top. There's no room for the big rocks. You know, our prayer life is the same way. We've got to focus on the big things. We need to exhaust our energy praying for, about the big rocks, the things that only God can do. And not fill up our prayer life with little things. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus' disciples come to him. And they make an amazing request. You know, some, some of the requests they made were kind of boneheaded. Like, Jesus, um, can one of us sit on your right in heaven and one of us sit on your left? What do you think? I was thinking about it and I thought I would really be a good choice. They're like, I can't believe you asked Jesus that. You know, this is one of those questions that you go, now, that's an awesome question. In Luke 11, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. They were Jews. They learned Hebrew by reciting Psalms. They knew how to pray, but they weren't asking, teach me how to pray. They were saying, teach me to pray the way that you know how to pray. I remember one of the first times I prayed with somebody who really knew how to pray. I was stunned. Because I really thought after about 30 seconds, I don't quite know what to say. And I remember saying, I don't even have anything else to pray for. And then, you know, this person prayed and started praying for their different family members and different situations and neighbors. And all of a sudden, it was like, oh, I never even thought to pray about that started praying through a long list of all the different things they were grateful for. And I was like, oh, I never thought to pray about that. You know, praising God for different areas of the creation. I was like, oh, I never, ever thought to pray about that. Yeah, I'd read those passages where it says, and Jesus spent the night in prayer. And I go, like, how do you find something to say for that long? You know, when you pray with somebody who knows how to pray, it just expands your mind. And the disciples saw Jesus' prayer life, and they were like, we want to pray the way you do. You know, how did Jesus pray? Look at what Hebrews chapter 5 says. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. You know, a couple things you see about Jesus' prayer life here. 
First of all, it was passionate. You ever fallen asleep in a prayer time? I have. I, I remember as a young Christian in Toronto, and it'd be winter, and it's like minus 20 outside, and you get up and you can see your breath in, in the bedroom because it was a really old house and the heat didn't work very well in the bedrooms. But I had a heat blanket, and I was like, I don't think I'm going to get out of bed. I'm just going to pray in bed. And I would turn over and kneel in my bed and have the pillow up like that. And, you know, sure enough, almost every time I'd wake up like an hour later. Like, man, I keep falling asleep. What's my problem? You know, have you ever been in a fight with your spouse or somebody that where, where the emotions are intense and right in the middle of the fight you just fell asleep? No, you never have. You do not go, I am so angry. Because it's passionate. I mean, we'll go on, on what's it called, Black, Black Friday, and we'll stay up late and wait in lines, and it's, you know, dark 30 in the morning. Why? Because I want to get an amazing deal. But then we fall asleep in prayer times. Why? Because we lack passion. Jesus prayed with loud cries and tears. He had energy. You know, there's times where what I call telepathy prayers are good, like in the workplace. I do not recommend lifting holy hands and praying with loud cries and tears. On the other hand, you know, some of us, our whole prayer content is what I call telepathy prayers. And we can be completely on our own and we're like, it's like, you know, that's fine. It's better than not praying, but is it passionate? You find yourself easily distracted. You know, the more passionate you are, the less distracted you will be when you're making that request. You know, the other thing is Jesus was heard because of his reverent submission. Jesus was passionate about his requests, but he understood that the answer was up to God. I was talking with my uh, son last night about, you know, answered prayer. And he goes, you know, we pray, and sometimes God says yes, and sometimes he says, I have something better for you. You see, too often we look at it as a no. Now, that's like sometimes you're at the restaurant and you say, I'm going to order a burger, and God tells the waiter, no, bring him out of filet mignon. You know, God is, you know, the, the scriptures talk about this. He's not the God that says, yes, I want something really amazing. He tells the waiter, no, give him something lousy. No, God will say no to give us something better. But we got to have a submissive heart. We need to be passionate, but we need to be surrendered. The fact that God is in control. You know, the disciples said, Jesus, I want to pray the way you pray. How, how did their prayers look? 
Go, go over to Acts chapter 3. You know, after they spent time with Jesus, I just want to hit a few real quick ones. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are going up to the temple to pray. And uh, there's a man who's crippled from birth there. And he's begging for money. And in verse 4, Peter looks straight at him. And Peter said, look at us. The man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. That was a powerful prayer. He healed a cripple from birth. He did it publicly. Say, man, they they learned to pray the way Jesus prayed. It was powerful. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John go before the Sanhedrin. And they tell them to, to quit doing what they're doing. And they said, no way, we're going to, you know, we can't stop. And then they go and pray. And at the end of chapter 4, in verse 31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Man, it caused an earthquake. That's a powerful prayer. Then one of my favorite uh, scriptures when it talks about prayers being answered in Acts chapter 12, you got Peter in jail. And while he's in jail, the church is praying for him to be released. Well, an angel comes in the middle of the night and frees him from prison. And, and Peter goes to the house of Mary and the mother of John in verse 12. It says, When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people were gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Now, the church is praying for Peter to be released. They're going to be so fired up to hear this news, they're going to go, yes, God has answered our prayers. We knew he would. Yes, Peter's out of jail. He's at the front door. Verse 15, you are out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. Good for him. When they opened the door, they saw him, and they were astonished. Yeah, do you ever have one of those prayers answered, and then you are surprised? Like, why? Why are we ever surprised when a prayer is answered. You know, they put stories like in this because we can relate. Like, here's the church. God, please get Peter out of jail. We love him. He's going to do so many great things. And Peter's knocking at the door, and they're like, you're out of your mind. Okay, we got to keep praying. Peter, God, please get him out of jail. And God's like, uh, he is. He's at your front door. You're out of your mind. Let's go back and pray. God, please get Peter out of jail. And he's knocking. You know, sometimes it's just exactly the way we are. We're praying about the answer, and and somebody is knocking on the door going, I am. Maybe you prayed the prayer, God, what's life all about? I want answers. 
Make it clear. Show me the truth. Show me what you want. And God's got a co-worker, a neighbor, a family member that's been inviting you to church, asking you to study the Bible, and, and night after night you keep going, God, show me. And he's like, I'm trying. They keep knocking. They're getting discouraged because you're not responding. And I'm trying to fill them full of faith. I am answering the prayer. You know, should we be surprised by the prayers that these guys prayed? Like, should we read it and go, wow, they did amazing things. I'm shocked. I never realized that would happen. Go to John 14. It's the very thing Jesus told them would happen. John 14. Jesus is telling the disciples he's going to be going to the Father, and they're bummed out. They're sad. They're like, no, we don't want you to leave. And he goes, it's better for you that I leave so the Holy Spirit comes here. And look what he says in verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus said, that's the whole point of me going to the Father. It says that you guys can do greater things. You've got God's Spirit in you. You're supposed to do powerful and incredible things. Our lives should be surrounded by the miraculous, unexplainable things, things that, that only with God involved make sense. You know, the size of our prayers show the world around us the size of our God. Parents, what you pray for teaches your kids what you believe God is capable of. Listen, we need to rise above the little stuff. Eh, It's not wrong to pray about the little stuff but never at the expense of the big stuff. Prayer is communication to a loving Father that wants to bless our lives. Don't waste your time on little things. Go after the big stuff. Fill our lives with powerful prayers. Rise above the little stuff. Point number two, help your angel. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. But it's against the the rulers, the authorities, and the heavenly realms. The society we live in, it is so easy to grow humanistic. To stop factoring God in the equation. To start looking at prayer as a last resort instead of a first resort. Say, does prayer really make a difference? Prayer is the most important thing that we do every day. Because without prayer, it's just us working. But when we pray, it's God and the angels that work. Help your angel. Go to Daniel chapter 10.
Daniel chapter 10. So Daniel was one of the Jews. He was in captivity at this uh, point. Uh, the leaders, the Persians. So, uh, you know, that, that was his authority. And there is this vision that happens. And David's perplexed by it. And he doesn't understand what it means. And the king's relying on him to figure things out. And he doesn't know what to do. And so we pick it up in, in Daniel chapter 10. Starting in verse 1, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you. And stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. I mean, what, what a passage on prayer. You know, some, some of the important things to pick up is Daniel made a decision to be humble and get answers. These prayers were not haphazard. You know, when it's powerful, you, you have an end in mind. There is something specific that you want or need help with. And Daniel said, I will humble myself. You know what the angel tells Daniel? From the moment you started, your words were heard. I was sent immediately in response to them. But on the way, a bad guy, the prince of Persia, came. And we've been fighting. But for three weeks, Daniel kept praying. And eventually, God said, all right, Michael, you go and deal with the prince of Persia. 
so the messenger can get through to Daniel because he's praying. You know, this is one of those stories that I, I wonder, like, what would have happened if Daniel quit at day 19? Or day 20? Is there any prayers that we've given up on? The angels are still fighting. And we don't have the answer. Do we walk away and say, see, I knew God didn't care? Wouldn't what the Bible teaches? No, there's a spiritual battle going on. It says, from the moment you prayed, your words were heard. But Daniel stayed humble and persistent. You know, um, I love uh, the conversation. You get down uh, the end of the chapter in verse 20. He says, do you know why I've come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one supports me against them. I love this. Except Michael, your prince. Love that. Man, this angel is, is telling Daniel. He goes, man, you know, as soon as I give you the answers, I'm going back. And then I, I got to deal with the prince of Persian. The prince of Greece is going to come. And you know what? I only got one support right now. You know who's hanging with me? Your prince. Your angel. His name's Michael. He's awesome. He's your angel. God cares so much about you that, that he's given you an angel. You know, in the Super Bowl, they call plays. You know, and you ever been in that situation where you know, you're, you're cheering for your team, and the, there's a limited amount of time that you can take to call the play. You ever seen, you know, the teams out there, and the, and the offense is like, come on, give me the play, give me the play, give me the play. We only got so much time. You know, and they're hurrying, and they can't figure out what to do. And, you know, they finally get it, and they rush up to the line, and, oh, too much time, delay a game. And you're just sitting there like, come on, get the play in there. You're professionals. You make millions. Just get the play in there. Do something. Don't go backwards five yards. Come on, everyone knows this. Let me coach the offense. I'll call a play. And, you know, you, you all think of all these things. Now you wonder how many delay game penalties are going on in the spiritual world right now. You know, God has sent an angel to you, and he's like, okay, what's the play? What do you want me to do? What am I supposed to tell God? And you're like, bless me. angel's like, what? That's the play? I'm supposed to go tell that to God? God's like, that's not a play. That's not in the playbook. You're already blessed. Tell me what to do. Come on. Give me a little something more. 
Like, it's funny when you think about it. What do you think your angel thinks about your prayer life? He's like, yes, this is going to be an awesome one. I'm throwing the bomb. We're, we're going. We're going for a touchdown on this one. All right, angel, here you go. Here's my request. Do something awesome with this. I bet the angels just get fired up. You know, ESPN, they have their top ten plays of the week. Maybe the angels talk top ten prayers of the week. I mean, the Bible records all kinds of great ones. You know, Joshua's out there fighting the bad guys, and they're running out of daylight, and he goes, this is too good. The day can't end. Okay, sun, stand still. And it did. And they won the victory, and then the sun kept going. You're like, who would have thought of that? Would you ever have thought of that? Man, we're out here sharing our faith, and there's so many open people, and it's about nighttime, and then they're going to go home. Sun, stand still. Like, I'm impressed that he just thought of that prayer. You know, Moses, he's dealing with some grumblers. And he says, you know, okay, if you guys all die natural deaths, then... God is with you. But you know what? If something totally new, like the ground just opens up right now and swallows you alive and you all go down to your grave alive, then God will know that I'm right. And all of a sudden the ground opens up and swallows them and they all die. And you're like, was there like multiple choice? Okay, what are the possible deaths these guys could die? I know. Let's just open up the ground and they all die. You're like, Moses, how do you think of that? That was public. It was in front of all these people. You know, got God's prophet against the prophets of Baal, and he's like, ah, oh, fire's going to come down. Would you have prayed that? I mean, God is begging for powerful prayers. You know, help out your angel. Prayer was never designed just to give us something to do to fill up our day. It is not supposed to be a ritual. Like if you're married and you thought, okay, we have to have our daily talk, would you feel like, oh, wow, can't wait. You're, no, it's communication. God loves you. It's what you're looking forward to that communication. It's awesome. God said, "Don't ask me for breakfast. Don't ask me for a shirt to wear. Give me something good. Give me something exciting. Pray something that only God can get the credit for. No amount of human wisdom or ingenuity or effort or hard work could ever take credit for the answer. That's the kind of prayer that God wants." Send in the play. You know, the angels are waiting. They're like, just tell me what to do. Okay, what, what, what are we going to do? What, what, what miracle do you want? Just tell me so I can start working on it. Is there any prayers you've given up on? People that you used to pray for, you thought, ah, they're not going to change. 
you know, goal I have or a dream or my marriage, my kids, whatever. Is there anything that we, we stopped praying for? Not because we don't want it to change, but we stopped believing it was possible. It is never too late to start praying powerful prayers again. What will you commit to? What is God going to hear? Will it be with passion? Will it be with persistence? You know, I think Daniel would have prayed for 31 days or 41 days or 51 days. I don't think 21 meant anything other than that's how long it took before God said, Michael, go down there and deal with the prince of Persia so Daniel can get his answer. Just stay at it. That our dreams are waiting to be fulfilled. But it's going to take powerful prayers. Let's overcome our fear of failure. Let's overcome the desire to fill up our prayers with the little things. And let's focus on the big. And finally, let's help out our angel. They're there to do God's work in our life. Give them something exciting to do. And let's live out the dreams as we pray powerful prayers. Amen. Let's stand as we close in a final song.